Welcome to the Dancing Squirrel Tacos podcast. I'm your host, Heather Bremer, and I'm excited to bring you the debut episode of our weekly podcast. What can you expect from Dancing Squirrel Tacos? Well, our primary focus is entertainment. TV, films, books, food, pets, and even professional wrestling. We'll go wherever the wind takes us. We'll be looking at these topics through storytellers. Each week, I'll have a guest who will share with you how they used words or film, music or performance, to tell their stories. You'll also get to hear my thoughts on hot-button issues and pop culture news, like who's winning the wrestling wars, and should we really be concerned about someone being inspired to violence by the Joker film? Now, you might be thinking to yourself, what in the world does that have to do with dancing squirrel tacos? The simple answer is nothing. I just wanted a really cool name for the podcast, and I was having trouble coming up with something that someone else in the world hadn't already thought of. If you think you've had an original thought, Google it, and you'll find out you're wrong. So with that, it's time to take our first break, and when we come back, we'll have our first guest. His name is Guy Davis. He is the director of Philophobia, which is making its world premiere this weekend at the Heartland Film Festival. After Guy, we'll talk to his lead actor, Joshua Glenister. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Dancing Squirrel Tacos podcast. It's my extreme pleasure to introduce you to my guest this week, Guy Davis. He is the director of Philophobia, which is making its world premiere at the Heartland Film Festival in Indianapolis on Sunday. It's his first feature film. And he and his cast will be traveling to Indy for the festival. Thank you, Guy, for joining us this week. Thank you. Guy, I'm always interested in how people get to where they are. I read somewhere that you started out as a child actor. What made you decide to step behind the camera? Okay. Um, Yeah, so, like, I started acting when I was really young. Um, I just always really loved drama and all that sort of stuff. And, like, I guess all my friends were quite into drama as well. So, like, we had, like, kind of a group of us. Um, I suppose the one of the things – there's two things. One of them was that, like, when I saw myself acting, like, I just didn't think I was any good. (laughs) So, like, when I was, like, (laughs) 13 or something, I was like, okay, this isn't going to (laughs) work. Like, I watched the films that I was in, and I was like, yeah, I'm, like, this isn't for me. Um, So that's one thing. And the other thing, I guess, was, like, because I had a group of friends that were all, like, kind of really into acting, um, I suppose I would have been about 10 or so. I got, like, a, you know, like a video camera, like a cassette camera um, that I borrowed from the school, and I just started making films like with with us like with our group like short films and like sketches and stuff and um just because like we all enjoyed like doing drama and like storytelling and stuff like that so that kind of I guess started the whole like filmmaking path even though that's not what I was trying to do at the time if you see what I mean so yeah like I guess after that I um yeah after I decided I was no good at acting I um I started bothering like producers that I knew from acting um to see if I could like get roles as like a PA or like a runner or whatever so I kind of did that on and off through my teens while I was at school and I did a few bits and bobs like in the lighting department um things like that like I was progressing a little bit and then when I was 18 when I finished high school I moved to New York to study cinematography um 
and then that was really cool that was really good for me because I had a I had an interest in cinematography and I didn't I didn't feel like directing was something that you could like teach and I was really like I love photography and I loved like images and the way like um you can storytell through them so that was something I wanted to like learn more about and and get better at um and yeah I wasn't convinced that like a sort of a directing course or program or something would be something that was valuable so I so I did cinematography and then after that um I came back to to England and I started working in the camera department like for like films and commercials and TVs and music videos all that sort of stuff um and um, what happened next? I suppose I was like maybe 20 or 21 when I did my first short film as a director. So I was still working in camera department. Then I was directing bits and bobs on the side. Um, and that was Emily. It was like a crime drama about like, uh, a wealthy girl who like orchestrates her own kidnapping. Um, and it was like 20 minutes long or something. Uh, it was, it was a cool little film. Um, and that was my first sort of actual, I guess, film actual short film uh, even though I had made all these like little bits and bobs in the past when I was younger um, and it did okay it won some awards and it like got into some prestigious festivals and then like that really kind of solidified like I already knew what I wanted to do but then like that was like that I suppose um, made it much clearer that like I was definitely on the right path and like what like it was very rewarding and like everything like I really enjoyed working with professional actors and all that sort of stuff. And, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of what started, started everything. And then off the back of that, I founded like a, um, an international film production company called Zebrafish Media. Um, it's still running now. Um, and it's like, it specializes in music videos and commercial work and stuff like that. I'm more removed from that now, but I'm, I'm still like affiliated to it. Um, it's actually run by one of my, one of my closest friends, which is really nice. So tell me a little bit about your process as a director. How do you put your stories together? Um, so like when I'm writing, I suppose the process is like, um, I need, I need a, it kind of, there's, there's kind of two, two ways it can work, but usually what it works is I have an idea and I have an idea of the story and I start to map out the story like in a really basic way. Um, without writing any dialogue or anything like that, or, or sometimes not even knowing so much about the characters, usually just like one or two of the main characters. And like, um, well, you've you got to have your main character and like what drives them and all that sort of stuff. But I'd literally just like probably write it out on like, you know, like a page of A4 in like bullet points at first. Um, and I do that a few times until I'm sort of happy with the structure of it. And then I would just have a crack at writing it and I, yeah, just, just go at it and like, just do a first draft and see, see what I get and, and then go back and improve it, I suppose. So the dialogue really, it kind of comes about organically once you start to build the characters, um, once I start to write, um, and like, you know, first time round, it's probably, it's probably going to be a bit, a bit loose, but, um, then you kind of just, you hone in and you learn more about your characters as you go, um, that's kind of my my experience with it, my process. But sometimes I'll 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 end up just like having an idea and write a scene straight away because I'm a bit too excited and I just want to get into it. <laughs> but but that's like that can 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 prove difficult because like 
I've done it before where I've just I've been really excited about writing something and I've just gone at it and I like done like 40 pages in like a night or something and then it's like okay well what happens now and it's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like I haven't <laughs> thought about like where the story can go from there and then you kind of hit that writer's block where you're like oh god like because the hardest part for me I don't know for everyone else but the hardest part for me is definitely just like the ideas like coming up with a story that is worth writing um, not so much like the dialogue and stuff. I find that the character development and the dialogue comes quite naturally. Um, but just actually knowing where the story is going before you start, I think is pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> the name of your film, Philophobia, means the fear of falling in love. That seems like a really personal topic. What inspired you to tell this story and where did it come from? It's kind of born in a strange way, to be honest. That This one is like... Actually, I was doing a commercial for like a fitness supplement brand like in in California and I was staying in like this large house with like a bunch of like really like hench models and stuff who were like in the commercial and I was staying there for like a week and there was just like so much testosterone in the house and it was like a really like, I don't know, kind of competitive atmosphere, which isn't really my vibe. (laughs) So like (laughs) in, in the evenings, I felt like I needed to do like something... I don't know, like creative and like quiet. So I was just like going to the bottom of the garden away from the house with like a bottle of whiskey. And I was just writing this script. And like, at first it was just like a, like a a method of like creative escape, I guess. But after like a couple of ideas, like a couple of days, like ideas were like taking shape um, in my mind and starting to like connect. And like the first draft of Philophobia came together in like maybe like five days or a week or something. And it was actually like when I started doing it, it was actually um, like based on a draft of a short film that my current business partner had written. Um, Matt Brawley, he's got a story credit on the film. Like we went to school together and we shared loads of similar experiences and like friendships and stuff like we're we're really close friends. So I took like a few of his characters from from this short that was probably maybe like 10 or 12 pages um, and like uh, a couple of the scenarios. And I started constructing like my story around them. Um, so yeah, that was like kind of how how it how it started. And I suppose like the story itself is like somewhat autobiographical. There's like there's some things in it that happened, and there's some there's some characters that draw inspiration from like the real world, uh, but never really one person. They're all kind of like an amalgamation of different people and different people's behaviors um, that I've experienced. I suppose. But it's set in the town where I grew up, um, and it's like in the countryside, in the Cotswolds in the UK. And we actually ended up shooting in the school that I went to school in. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what the film's about? So the film is basically, it's it's like set in the last sort of week of school when um, it's, it's about a boy and his friendship group. And I guess the sort of, the sort of uh, mischief they get up to. So he's... Um, they're, they're all doing their exams um, and like they're on study leave, which I don't know if you have an equivalent in America, but it's um, well, you don't have like you don't have lessons anymore, but you still go into school and you do your exams like that. It's like it's just like allocated time to revise, I suppose. And you don't you don't have to be in school, but a lot of people just go to school anyway. But there's there's no there's no like sort of like scheduled classes or anything like that. And then there's like an exam timetable and you just go and take your exams. But yeah, so they're on study leave and they're like. Uh, you know, historically, in my experience, a lot of partying takes place in study leave when people <laughs> should be revising because <laughs> because there's no, 
and you don't have to wake up for school really um and i guess it's kind of like his journey um through like this last bit of bit of school where he he's kind of in this small town in the countryside and he's he wants to be a writer and he's like he's really passionate about kind of escaping his situation he doesn't yeah like he 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 wants to you know move on to uni or or like move to a big city and just kind of get on with his life he feels like maybe the last couple of years he's just been like waiting for for school to finish so he can like move forward and like he's starting to realize that there are things like th- that that's not as simple as it as it always kind of sounded in his head um because like a lot of his you know a lot of his friendship group and like you know like his like potential love interest and all that sort of stuff that is likely that they're just going to stay in this town um because it's kind of it's just one of those one of those things i suppose um so it's i guess there's like um at the heart of the story is like the pull between his ambition um and like his um situation i suppose and then um yeah i mean that's that's essentially what it's about um it all comes to a head and um some there's some twists and all sorts <laughs> i think there are a couple names people will recognize in your cast james faulkner who was in game of thrones and harry lloyd who was in the theory of everything but the core of your cast is really a group of young unknowns what was your experience like working with them it was fantastic these guys are amazing these guys are such such amazing talents i mean we spent i mean so when i when i started to cast i sort of tried to think of people this was like maybe three years ago or something or two and a half years ago i tried to think of people who were like in that right age range to play like a 17 18 year old who's just finishing school that were british and to be honest i didn't really think of that many that many famous actors that i i rated like there were a few and like that some of them were too big and obviously like I didn't even try and get them. Um, and then, and then sort of below that, there wasn't really anyone that I was like, okay, I need that person or I think they would be really, really good. So I was like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna open this up. So I spent about three or four months casting. I think we had, I can't remember the exact amount. I think we had about 4,000 applicants for the, for the lead role. Um, we had a lot of people apply and we watched a lot of self tapes and then we did about five or six rounds of auditions. Um, and on the last round of auditions, I paired, um, different actors up with different actors and stuff like that. And I had them like go through scenes together and play things out. And I, and I shot it as well. Um, so I did like a really, really rigorous casting process to find, find these guys. And most of them, it's their first feature film. Um, and a lot of them have like, uh, a really I guess like quite quite a lot of stage background but not so much uh, film background I mean that like now now they've gone on and they've done all sorts of film stuff but I think a lot of them I mean a lot of them it was definitely their first feature and maybe they they hadn't done so much in in like the narrative realm on film before as well but yeah they're they're all brilliant they're all absolutely brilliant I can't follow them what directors have influenced you in 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 your career and kind of in the making of this film Wow, uh, like so many. Um, there's like there's a couple that I suppose are relevant, like relevant stories, like like Tarantino, for example. Like Tarantino, even though my films aren't anything like his films or anything like that, he sort of got the ball rolling, um, like that idea in my head and stuff like that. I must have been um, 
like 11 or something when I watched Pulp Fiction for the first time, like with my parents out the house or whatever. And I was <laughs> like, I was like so blown away. I remember thinking like so clearly at the time that I didn't know that movies could be like that, like several character like driven plots, like converging with one another, like the cause and effect of people's actions and the way everything just like interweaves. I, I it was so clearly remember thinking like it was wonderful and it like made me like desperately want to like make something like made me desperately want to make movies or make anything like that. So like there's that's definitely like a, a you know, he's definitely a director that's influenced me, even if like my my films and the way I sort of tell a story isn't isn't similar, um, I suppose. I don't know necessarily if there's any directors that have like direct like specifically influenced me on this film like there are other directors that I sort of love like I love David Fincher and I love the genre like I love crime drama and um and I just think all his movies are brilliant um and Derek C in France like I love the 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 depth of his movies like he's like um he's like a master of like the human experience in my opinion I find the way he speaks about film and his movies like really inspiring yeah, like they they just feel very very honest. Like something when I like when I direct, I try and I try and remember to ask myself, like when I'm when I'm watching the image, like when like when I'm literally there and like I'm looking at what's coming through the camera, and I'm always asking myself, like does it does it feel honest? Like do I believe the performance? Like do I believe what's happening? Um, and I, cause, like I just want to make sure that you know it's it's like an honest portrayal, um, so that you know. Well, that's that's just my style anyway. But um, but yeah, I don't think you could find like a frame in his movies that don't feel true. Like there's so much emotional integrity. Um, and I love the way he talks about his films as well. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, he's definitely been an inspiration as well. So if money was no object and you had access to any actor in the world, what would your dream project be? What type of film would it be? Who would you cast? And what kind of story would you want to tell? Oh my god! I I like it's um <laughs> I have no idea. Well, no, I do. I'm I'm not sure. I really have like a dream project, but like I love small town like crime dramas, and that sort of I would love to do that next. Like um, the I'm really passionate about those sorts of films. I love watching those sorts of films, and I love the genre. And yeah, so I think. I think something like that next would be great. Like I've got a few ideas and I'm, I'm starting to write things. So yeah, um, I don't know who I would cast. Um, there's a whole load of actors that I think are, I think are wonderful. Um, I guess like Ed Norton is probably, probably one of my favorites. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Who knows? I <laughs> like, I was going to say like, um, Three Billboards is a really good example. Like that was in my favorite film in like recent years. I think that was great. Um, but like it's the yeah, it's the genre and it's just the the portrayal and the way the story's woven. Like a, something like that would be wonderful. So recently, Martin Scorsese made some comments about Marvel films and how he didn't consider them cinema. I myself love the Marvel films. I'm not a fan of Scorsese's, but I recognize him as an artist. What's your reaction and take on those comments? So, like, I, so, like, I, I think the Marvel films are great, and I really like them. Um, 
But like I, I kind of I get where Scorsese is coming from. Like a friend of mine, Ken, Kenny, he like some he like he summarized this really well, like really perfectly recently. So I'm just going to try and like paraphrase him. Um, basically, like I think Scorsese is right, but it doesn't doesn't really matter. Like fast food still tastes great and people love it, but like we're not going to describe McDonald's as like gourmet food because it it's not. It's McDonald's in the same way that Marvel films are like movies, you know, like. So Scorsese, I think, is rightly, like, making that distinction. Like, cinema for him is obviously denotes something, like, higher. Like, if you're not offended by someone saying McDonald's doesn't deserve a Michelin star, then you shouldn't really be offended by, like, Scorsese saying Marvel films aren't cinema, I think. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great point. That is a good point. So what is next for you? So I yeah I'm just I'm going to see what's going to see what happens with this film and then moving on from from Philophobia I'm just going to um I'm going to concentrate on my next project I'm probably um I need like you know a, li- a little bit of a break maybe a month or something um and I think next year I'm just going to start gearing up to to do my next project um so yeah I'm just just cracking on basically <laughs> Well, I'd like to wrap up today with three questions I ask our guests each week, and that has to do with the way our podcast was named. So I was driving down the road with my sister, and we were trying to come up with a name for a podcast, and she asked me these three questions. So the first question is, what's a talent or something that you do that people might not expect that you do? Mm, what am I good at? Other than making... Mm, um, I reckon darts i'm good at throwing darts yeah what animal would you want to be or what's your favorite animal a sloth and what's the food you like to bend what's your favorite food oh my god um well you already have tacos like (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with burritos so your podcast is named, and we're going to add the ing so that it's a little descriptive. Uh, darting sloth burritos. Love it. That that's fantastic. Sloths <laughs> are amazing, so I, I like it a lot. Well, guy, thank you so much for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody where they can see your film this weekend? Oh yeah. Um. So our world premiere is on Sunday, October thirteenth at four thirty p.m. Um. It's in uh, the AMC uh, Castleton Square Theatre 11. Um, and I will be there and I'll be doing a Q&A with my cast. Um, you know, come along and ask us whatever you like. Um, it'll be exciting. I'm excited. Like, I haven't, obviously, we haven't shared it with the public at all yet. So the, you will literally be the first members of the public to ever see this film. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. Um just to see how people react, I suppose. I mean, I've seen the film like a thousand times by now with all the editing and everything, so I'll probably just be watching the audience um, <laughs> and fingers crossed uh, that people like it. But but yeah, and then the next one is uh, Wednesday, October 16th at midday um, at AMC Traders Point. Um, are there any other films at the festival that you are excited to see yourself? Yeah, there are. I mean, I haven't actually had like a a really good opportunity to look through the program properly yet. So I only really know the studio ones that are at the festival, unfortunately. Um, But I really want to go and see Jojo Rabbit, that screening. Um, 
I'm quite excited to see to see what that's like. Jojo Rabbit is definitely on my list as well. Guy, thank you so much for joining us on Dancing Squirrel Tacos. Best of luck to you with the film. I'm excited to see it myself. Yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for chatting with me. That was Guy Davis, director of Philophobia, making its world premiere this weekend at the Heartland Film Festival in Indianapolis. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking with Joshua Glenister. He's the lead actor in Philophobia, so stay tuned. Welcome back to the Dancing Squirrel Tacos podcast. I'm here with Joshua Glenister, lead actor in Philophobia, making its world premiere this weekend at the Heartland Film Festival. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, now, I was doing a little research on you before our talk, and I stumbled on your Instagram and Twitter, which both have uh, the we're all stories in the end, just make it a good one quote from Dr. Who. You're a Whovian. Yes, yes, I am. For my sins, I, I really am, yeah. <laughs> Did you get started with the classic Doctor Who or more the modern series? It was uh, the modern series back when Christopher Eccleston first brought it back in about 2005. Uh, I've gone back and watched some of the classic Who since then. But yeah, it was uh, Christopher Eccleston who started it all for me. So who's your favourite Doctor? That's hard. I do like them all. Um, I'd probably say Matt Smith is when I became a proper Whovian as opposed to just a fan. So I'd have to say Matt Smith. I think Matt's probably my favourite too. I think it was the stories with Amy and Rory that really drew me in and probably because that's who I saw first too. But I think Matt is just brilliant. Yeah, he's wonderfully charismatic. Have you had a chance to watch uh, Jodie as the Doctor yet? I have, yeah, I have. I think she's she's wonderful. She's doing a fantastic job. I'm um, looking forward to her second series. All right, now let's talk about the film, Philophobia. Uh, I spoke with director Guy Davies, and he said he conducted a pretty rigorous casting search. Uh, how did you come to learn about the part, and what was the casting experience like? Um, it first came up on a website which is now called Mandy but I think back then it was called Casting Call Pro um, so I applied for it through then. It later went on to other casting sites that my agent put me forth for but I applied seeing the part the story sounded really exciting and the character did um, so I applied and and I went in got to I had to do a sort of a self-tape a video audition which then meant I could then go meet Guy and we did a little audition there and then he pulled in all the people that he liked for the roles and we spent a day essentially doing sort of chemistry reads and trying to see who worked well off of each other and it was a long it was a long day but a lot of fun and got to meet a lot of great actors and then yeah he decided which ones he wanted to make the film with from that can you tell us a little bit about your character in the film yeah absolutely um so kai is sort of 17 18 year old guy he's considered a bit of a a big fish in a small pond where he is um, because he's got this intelligence and his aspirations of going out into the world and becoming a writer. Um, and he he dives deeply into the sort of feelings and what feelings mean and how interactions with people um, can form themselves on a page when he writes. Um, however, he he has this great desire to escape from from where he currently finds himself into the big wide world, but he's constantly gets pulled back by um, the love of his life, Grace, uh, or who he thinks in his young naivety is the the love of his life. Um, So he's constantly torn between 
what he feels like he should do and what his heart is telling him to do um, for better or for worse. I know this story is kind of personal for a guy um, based a lot on his experiences growing up. Was there anything you could connect with in the character from your own experiences? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, He's he really struggles with expressing his sort of emotions, if you like, um, and getting across what he what he feels. And I think a lot of teenage boys particularly can empathize with that. There's certainly a sort of stigma that you can't uh, express yourself in the way that you would want to. Um, And for Kai, there's there's certainly that and it causes a lot of frustration and it causes a lot of the problems that happen in the film with his relationships with both his friends and um, the people who aren't his friends and then the people that he wants to be in relationships with. And yeah, I could I could massively empathise with that. And just the feeling, I had the same sort of feeling when I was growing up uh, of just wanting to, you know, the grass is greener on the other side and wanting to get out and see the rest of the world, which he has. Um, he was a wonderful part to play. Um, I very much enjoyed him. How did you get into acting? How did I get into acting? That was a, um, it's always started as a hobby. I always used to um, perform for my parents, particularly with magic tricks and things like that. Um, but never really took it seriously until um, I was probably about 17, 18. Because um, I, I was at 16, I wanted to join the army. And my dad told me, no, go to college and all of that kind of thing. And then in those two years of college, I decided I wanted to pursue a career in acting. So then looked at drama schools and went up to uh, Lipper, which is up in Liverpool. Paul McCartney's school, in case you're interested. Um, had a wonderful three years there of training and just experiencing what it's like to be a, a young adult. And then when that was finished, it was out into the real world and uh, getting to meet cast and directors and agents and directors and lots and lots of wonderful actors, including those who were in philophobia. Yeah, it was it was always a hobby. And then, yeah, I just... I thought, actually, I'd quite like to make some money out of something I enjoy. So I've been trying my hand at that ever since. As you said, there's a, quite a few young actors in philophobia. What was it like working with them and uh, other actors your age? It was it was fantastic. There was a sort of atmosphere around the around the cast, particularly, because we were all young, relatively inexperienced actors with regards to what credits we had in the past. Um and I think the production company took a lot of risks on some of us because we didn't have as many credits in, in our um, CVs and stuff. Um, so we all felt like this was a, a golden opportunity and a wonderful script. And we all came together and just really wanted to make this film as good as it could be. Um, and we had some wonderful actors who came in and supported who've done lots of things like Harry Lloyd, James Faulkner, um, Kate Is It, they've done loads and loads so for us younger actors who hadn't done as much it was it was great to see these guys work and then also bounce off one another who were relatively fresh and quite raw um yeah it was a truly wonderful experience um particularly for a first feature film i'd ever done it was it was remarkable well it premieres here at the heartland film festival in indianapolis have you ever been to the midwest I've never been to the Midwest, no. It's um, it's unfortunate that I, I can't come this time. I'd really like to, um, but unfortunately I'm working on other things. Um, 
but there will be other members of the cast and crew there definitely i know that kate and um uh, kate i know that grace and um kim are going to be there as well as jack um i'd be there if i could be <laughs> i'd love to come to the midwest i'd love to come to heartland well we will certainly miss having you here what are you working on right now what's your next thing after philophobia uh, currently, I'm working on a feature film called The King of Spades. It's another uh, British independent film, um, very different from Philophobia in some aspects and very similar in others, um, which should be a lot of fun. Um, so that'll be what will come out later in 2020. But now the excitement's all about Philophobia, um, which you guys will actually get to see before me. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm certain we will. Thanks for joining us, Joshua. Best of luck with the film. Again, that's Philophobia premiering at the Heartland Film Festival with showings on Sunday and Wednesday. Thank you very much, Heather. Thanks for having me. Welcome back to the Dancing Squirrel Tacos podcast. I would again like to thank Guy and Joshua for joining us on our debut episode. I hope everybody gets the chance to go out and see Philophobia and all the other films playing at the Heartland Film Festival over the next two weeks. Before we wrap up for this episode, I'd like to go back to those two questions I posed at the beginning of the podcast. The first was, who's winning the wrestling wars? Well, the answer once again this week is All Elite Wrestling. All Elite Wrestling Dynamite again topped WWE's NXT in the ratings. If you're a wrestling fan who's been disillusioned by the WWE and their terrible storytelling, I highly suggest you tune into AEW. The action is amazing, the stories make sense, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. The second question was whether we should be worried about the Joker film inspiring people to violence. There's a lot of debate about whether video games and films cause people to be violent. I don't think these films and video games are at the root cause of the violence. I think they're just maybe the flashpoint for some people. Most of these people already would have a tendency towards violence, and they need mental health counseling. So hopefully the Joker film, which has made $129 million domestically, will help us address the stigma of mental health and get some people the help they need and deserve. So that's it for this debut episode of Dancing Squirrel Tacos. And I hope we'll see you back next week when I will talk to Joey Booz, who stars as Seymour in Beef and Board's production of Little Shop of Horrors. Until next time, I leave you with the words of Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, in my favorite episode of Doctor Who. We're all just stories in the end. Make it a good one.